It is the 200 level episode 144. Mike Carpenter here in a podcast I didn't necessarily think I would do, given the fact that we got bragging rights tonight, but we're going to double dip. This may be shorter. It is a solo podcast. I didn't think today's game was going to give me any sort of motivation to come behind the microphone and talk about Lovey Smith and the Salani football team, but by gum, they did it. No, they didn't win. They had one of their worst performances of the Lovey Smith era, and that is a long list, ladies and gentlemen. It gets longer and longer each and every week, and it's not getting better. In fact, you could argue that it is getting worse again, like a bell curve. And the top of it, if you can call it that, was last year when he won six games, went to the Red Box Bowl. Of course, on the heels of a four-game win streak, two of those wins, very memorable. But other than that, even calling this a bell curve is indicating that there was true growth and progress at one point to the degree that you could actually be competitive on a consistent basis in the Big Ten West. But that's not the case. You're 0-5 against Northwestern. You're 0-5 against Iowa. You're 1-4 against Wisconsin. You're 1-4 against Nebraska. I'm trying to think of the other teams here. In uh, Minnesota, you're 2-3. Purdue, you are 2-3, I believe. Thank God for Rutgers. That's all I can say. Thank God for Rutgers and, I guess, Michigan State, who you may be playing next week, and knowing Lovey Smith's luck against the Spartans, you may actually find yourselves to a third win of the season, but I don't think you should even be coaching that game. The Champions Week title that we're bestowing upon Week 9 is kind of a joke anyways, given the way that the season has sort of sputtered to the finish line, but that looks to be the likely outcome. Illinois, Michigan State next week, which, whatever. <laughs> Just end it. Why, why do we even need to bother with that game? But If that game happens, he shouldn't even be out there coaching. And I came on the air or behind the microphone, however you want to call it, for this first of two podcasts. And hopefully the podcast tonight is going to be very, very different in tone than what you're hearing right now. But this thing should be over, right? And I don't know what I'm going to call this podcast. You'll know it by the time you listen to it. But it's going to be along the lines of this thing is over, even if not officially so. And it's over in a myriad of ways. And what a total dud of a coaching hire this has been. Not that that's news to any of you. You guys know this. It's been right in front of us for five years, a long five years. I think we all consider the context of a COVID-19 season and the fact that you had COVID-19 again impact, especially the defensive side of the ball today. And you go back to the beginning of the year, Brandon Peters missing two games, though I'm not sure how much that matters if you watch Brandon Peters in most of his performances. But at the end of the day, the final product, when you take five years worth of evidence, it's not just not good enough. It's worse than what came before. And this is becoming a tiring exercise. I remember distinctly after Tim Beckman was hired. And at 93.5, we did our very first J game day on Green Street. And Laura, who was a person I worked with, a salesperson at 93.5, she asked me right before Tim Beckman hopped on with Lon and Jeremy, Hey, how do you think he's going to do? And I said, well, can't be worse than Zook. Eh, Wrong. He is. Just like I thought when he got lovey. Well, hey, listen, he can't be worse than Beckman. Eh, Wrong. He actually is as a uh, coach. Okay, and I'm going to get to that because that was a controversial tweet that I had. On-field performance, recruiting, Tim Beckman is better. Now, we can talk about lovey being a better representative of the university. But go back to the recruiting classes that Beckman was getting. Go back to where that program was left. And I understand you can talk about the scandal, and it is right to do so. That was a big deal. Even though if he asked Kerry Black, he has his own thoughts on it, as did many other players on that team. Was it a justified firing? Given what was going on in college football at the time, absolutely. 
And I think Mike Thomas just kind of wanted out from the Tim Beckman thing, even after that 6-1 season. And I wasn't complaining. I was not complaining, right? In, in a way, I didn't even take a moralistic approach about it. I didn't think, you well, we need to get rid of Beckman because of what he did to Simon Sianovich. My whole thing was, eh, whatever. If that's what did it for him, so be it. I know that's callous. But I felt like there had to be something better out there. And no, Lovey wasn't it. I know you had the Bill Cubitt season, but Lovey was not it. It is time to end this thing. And now we wait. We wait with bated breath for Josh Whitman to say something. And if it's anything other than we are moving on, Lovey Smith will no longer be our football coach, then you are putting this football program back behind the eight ball years down the road. If a move needs to be made eventually, it needs to be made now. I think a Florida AD might have said that around the Ron Zook era. If it needs to be done eventually, it should be done now. But that doesn't even apply so much. This thing just needs to be done now. We could do all the nuance and evidence and say, well, look at this, 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 and this. Exhibit A, B, C, D, all the way to Z as reasons why Lovey should be fired. But you guys see it each and every week. We saw it again today. Absolutely embarrassed. They put Andrew freaking Marty in the game again. Good old Andrew Marty, who on a third and 11 got 10 yards, five of them after contact, and it just was a total PTSD moment to last year's 29 to 10 loss. But this one was actually just as bad. Yes, Northwestern is better than they were last year. But you didn't have the excuse of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. I guess you did on the defense, but in year five, you can't have more depth. Is that too much to ask to have a roster with depth that can withstand that? I don't know. (laughs) Actually, no, I don't mean that. I do know. I do know. What I do know is you need to move on. And that's what we're going to talk about briefly today. I don't want to belabor the point. I probably will. But I have a surprising amount of vitriol going right now for this Illinois football program. And they can fix it. It's right there for them. I'm not going to say it's easy. But it's right there for them. And it was in front of Josh Whitman's face for five years. If he did not figure out a contingency plan, even with this pandemic year, then that is on him. And I will withhold judgment until he makes a decision. But he's on the clock, and there's really only one decision to be made. We'll hit the sponsors real quick. The 200 Levels brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones, $6 premium, and construction zones at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Wearing my lucky orange t shirt for the Bragging Rights game tonight. Use coupon code 200 Level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. No coupon code needed. You know you get great prices. And take it from me, personal experience, amazing service from Brian and his staff. That is brianismyguy.com. Finally, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. We will hit those guys up on this podcast one more time in a bunch for tonight's podcast. That's the big one. That is softening the blow, knowing that we got bragging rights tonight and an opportunity to have one of the best weeks in Illini basketball history. Don't think that's hyperbole. Think about that. Winning on the road to Cameron Indoor, winning the bragging rights game in one week as you sit there with a number six ranking, wanting to get back into the top five. That could be one of my favorite Illini basketball weeks ever. And we need it. We need it when you look on the other side of Kirby Avenue. So Illinois football, they lose today 28 to 10. Got to give Isaiah Williams props. Had a long touchdown pass late in that game. Should have been starting. Let's go back to the Nebraska game real quick. I'll do a little bit of micro before we actually get into the macro thing, and that is far more important. But I think it is exemplary of how bad this thing has gotten and how this coaching staff, they don't really know what they have. They don't really know what to do. They don't know what things to plug in at what times. Go back to the Nebraska game, and I was firmly on the Isaiah Williams bandwagon. 
And I am going to pull a little bit of an I told you so. Yes, Brandon Peters was phenomenal in that Nebraska game. But he is what he is at this point. A very mediocre quarterback. Kind of like a slightly better Wes Lunt, only because he's got a little bit of mobility. But he doesn't make throws consistently. You can't count on him to win you games. And yes, I know you made a bowl game with the help of Brandon Peters last year. But did he really blow you away? And apart from that Nebraska game this year, that was the pinnacle of his career at Illinois. He didn't show you a whole lot. Isaiah Williams, if this program were in a healthy state in year five with Lovey Smith, Isaiah Williams would have been the starter going forward because they could have afforded to take that chance. They would have things in a solid enough footing where they didn't feel like they had to scratch out these wins any way that they can. And you might be thinking, well, Carp, that's the job of any coach. Scratch out any win that you can, no matter the circumstance. But how much better of a chance did Brandon Peters give you than Isaiah Williams in the long run here, in the last three, four games? I would argue not much of a better chance. And to me, that decision was solely because Lovey Smith thought, you know what? That's the safer pick. I need to go with the safer pick because I need to eke out a one or two to keep my job. And because of that, we cost valuable time for Isaiah Williams to develop, the guy who will probably be starting a quarterback for you next year, hampering whoever the coach will be next year, and making Isaiah Williams still a little bit of a project. I think he'll be fine. I'm excited to watch Isaiah going forward. That's the future. And you got to kind of bank on that if you're an Illini fan, hoping that the next few years bring you something. That's it. If you look elsewhere on the roster and think, well, okay, where are we going to be excited going into 2021, 2022? There are enough pieces to be competitive next year. I don't think they're going to be good. I think we can dispel that from our minds, but there's enough pieces there that if you got a coach worth a damn to come in here and coach him up, I know it's kind of a cliche sports fan, uh, sports fan, <laughs> meatball thing to say, but coach him up a little bit. You might have a fighting shot in the Big Ten West to finish fourth or something next year as you should have done this year if you had a coaching staff worth a damn, but you don't. So that micro example, Isaiah Williams comes in late, gives you a spark, just like he did the end of the Iowa game. Why we keep going with Brandon Peters when he isn't that good to begin with tells you where you were at in year five. And that's going to sound like a slight on Brandon Peters, so I do need to backpedal a bit. He might be an older college athlete. He's still a college athlete. I'm frustrated with his lack of performance. But then I say, well, wait a second. It ain't his fault so much as it is the fact that this program couldn't figure out the quarterback position five years in. The offense is atrocious. Brandon Peters doesn't help, but there's other issues, and that includes the play caller, Rod Smith, who in year three fielded one of the worst offenses that I've seen at Illinois. And that is another long list. So you got company, Rod, but unfortunately, you had pieces to do far better than this. Get out of here. Bye. See ya. Don't need to see it anymore. <laughs> All right. That's, that's enough. Defense, uh, defensive coordinator, duh, Lovey Smith, but the defense in general. Yes, there were injuries. I get that late in the year. Early in the year, though, Purdue game, Minnesota game, that wasn't really the problem. They were just bad. So take five years worth of evidence from Lovey's defense, whether it was Hardy Nickerson with the defensive coordinator tag or Lovey taking it over himself. And keep this in mind, Lovey's pinnacle as defensive coordinator was I think the week after he took over play calling duties, after Hardy Nickerson left, we smoked Minnesota at home. And I remember thinking, as I went to Dos Reales for dinner, thinking, well, maybe this works. And there's been moments like that in the Lovey Smith era. Maybe this will work. Despite everything that came before it, you see these little, little moments and these individual games that make you think, okay, it is not pretty, but maybe just like the Bears era, if they get the turnovers and they have a nice special teams and the offense just does its job. But here's the thing. All of that is fleeting. 
All of those are aberrations. None of that really became a pattern, except for last year when they did, I think, lead the country in defensive TDs, and yet they finished with a 6-7 and seven record, which was my concern coming into this year. As everybody was excited, and even I allowed myself, against my better judgment, to think that, you know what, in this nine-game schedule, with an older team, sure, I bet they could win four games. Maybe five. I would be over the moon with five, and I'd be very happy with four. Instead, you're probably going to finish with two. And lucky you, you didn't even have to get embarrassed by Ohio State. You got bailed out of that one. So it is very frustrating as a fan to continue to get roped in. And I, it's just the nature of being a fan. You're in the offseason. You're getting closer and closer to week one. And you think, well, maybe if this, this, and this happens. But this is the difference between Illinois basketball and football. When Illinois basketball is going, I don't need to play those mind games. I remember doing that, I think, John Gross's fourth year, which was his worst season, and saying, well, listen, you got Malcolm Hill still. You got Kendrick Nunn. You don't have a point guard. <laughs> Maybe, who was the kid that came over? Not Tijon Lucas. There was a kid that transferred, and I, I can't remember his name. But regardless, I do remember a Friday night at game day on campus on 93.5, trying to talk myself into this idea that on the backs of Malcolm Hill and Kendrick Nunn and not much else, that team is going to be sneaky good in the Big Ten. It's what we do as fans, right? But I don't need to do that so much with Illinois basketball. I don't. And at least their basement, their floor, is so much higher than what we get with Illinois football, where the basement, the floor of this Illinois football program, and I've seen it all too often in my life, is worst team in the Big Ten levels of bad. They are probably not the worst team in the Big Ten, but they're in the running for it this year. They're no better than the last team that Ron Turner fielded. Certainly not better than the last team Ron Zook fielded when he got fired. They're no better, for sure, than Beckman's last team, which I know was not intended to be his last team. Go back to the Lou Tepper era. What were they, 1-11, I think? That'd probably be a competitive game because, well, this Illinois team can't score, and those Lou Tepper teams, even though the defense got kind of bad, they might find a game plan to slow down Rod Smith's patented offense. I don't want to get too snarky or sarcastic. But there is some actual like bile <laughs> like rising here as I think about just how bad this thing is, how handsomely compensated these guys are getting to go out there and suck week in, week out. And all I can really pin my hopes on, two things. One is that Josh Whitman is as smart as we would like to think he is. Guy's a lawyer. He talks well, very eloquent. He can lay out a plan, and especially early on, I believed it. I don't believe it now until I see him make this move. He is on the clock. It is the only move to make, and he's had time to figure it out, even with all the financial constraints that you're dealing with in 2020. You have to do it. This is not a difficult decision. I understand the execution has some hoops that you got to jump through. That's one. But here's the other thought. Lovey Smith. And if Lovey listens to the program, I know he doesn't, but let's just pretend for a second he does. And I'm going to taper down the animosity and just try to talk to him reasonably about what he could choose to do to end this and save everybody a whole lot of aggravation. Retire. Take your money. Go. Negotiate a buyout with Josh. Come up with a joint statement, a joint press conference. This happened, mind you. Ron Gunther, Ron Turner. And you know that Josh Whitman really looks up to Ron Gunther, and that kind of freaks me out a bit. Sorry, I digress, Lovey. I'm talking to you. Retire. You don't need this. You aren't enjoying this. Look at the quotes that you had during the press conference today. 
and only some screenshots, but you look miserable. This cannot be fun for you. You don't even want to live in Champaign-Urbana. I get it. If I came from warmer weather, I wouldn't want to live here either. You don't need to be here. You don't need to stay here. You can go away. You can take your money and leave. Screw your legacy. Screw your pride. You've accomplished a lot in your football career. You didn't accomplish much here, but that's beside the point. You have enough to fall back on to say, you know what? I've lived a good life. Why would you subject yourself to more of this? Why? Don't say for the kids or anything. Listen, you may have tried hard. I don't think that's actually the case compared to other college football coaches. You may have tried in your own mind hard enough to get this thing going. You might care for the kids and all that. But this just doesn't feel good, right? It's not a fit. It's a square peg round hole. It reminds me, Lovey, if I may give you an apples and oranges comparison. Back in the day, uh, 2011, 2012, the original bass player in my band, he was miserable doing what he did. He looked miserable on stage. He didn't have fun at practice, didn't want to practice. And I had him over one night and I just said, okay, listen, let's stop trying to fool ourselves into thinking that you enjoy this. You don't need to be in this thing. You can leave. You can go do the other things that you want to do. Join another band if you want, but... You don't even like being in a band, so why do it? And I didn't have to pull this guy's leg very much and and beg him to leave the band. He just sort of accepted it because he knew in his heart that his heart was not in it. Lovey, your heart's not in this. It's not. So just go away. Live your life. Live out the many years that you have left because you're still a healthy guy. Even though you're over 60, you're a healthy guy. Enjoy it. Don't subject yourself to this. Right off into the sunset, you may not have accomplished what you wanted to here, but you know what? You have financial stability for your kids and their grandkids and your great-grandkids. You have a loving family. Go enjoy it. I guess that's my plea to Lovey. I, again, he's not going to listen to it. And I do wonder, even though I'm looking at him and perceiving a somewhat lazy head coach, And I know this week, the story about the virtual coaching clinic, by the way, Tom Allen from Indiana, a guy that has turned that program around in four years, he appeared at that. Insult to injury, Indiana football, which historically is worse than Illinois, now has a coach that will sustain them, I would think, would sustain them for a long time to come if he chooses to. And I I think they got their guy. I think they might actually have this thing working here. Because it doesn't require super high-level recruiting. He's got a good system. He runs it well. He reminds me of Fitzgerald and what he's doing in uh, Northwestern. Two programs that are historically not that good, but they found their guy. They got a niche. They're going to be competitive to good each and every year. Indiana got it. North freaking Western got it. Wisconsin, that had sucked all the way up to Barry Alvarez. Well, they got it with Barry Alvarez, and they've kept it going for 25 years. Iowa, they got it. We don't. So part of this frustration is not just about Lovey, but the fact that we haven't found our guy yet. And the one guy that could have been the guy, Ron Zook, who I still think, you were the one, like Obi-Wan says to Anakin, you were the chosen one. Ron Zook was just too much of a meddler with his coordinators. He couldn't leave well enough alone. All he had to do was just go recruit studs and get the hell out of the way, and he couldn't do that. Justifiably fired. It's just that the hires that came after that, not good, even worse. So yes, there's frustration that goes beyond Lovey, but this is right now an issue that can be resolved in the short and long term. 
there will be transfers out. I know that Lovey's all about the transfer market. You bring him back, kids are transferring out. Delano Ware quit the team this week. Quit it. With two games left. I don't know why, but that's not usually a good sign for a program. When he was getting significant playing time, he just quit. Up and quit. That doesn't bode well. And you think about the lack of success with in-state recruiting. The former Bears head coach doesn't matter. You aren't getting any Illinois guys. You're not getting many high school kids that are worth a damn. No offense to them. I'm just saying in the context of the Big Ten, they are not worth much. Okay? No one is envying what Lovey is bringing in in terms of recruiting. And then it is a crapshoot with transfers. And yeah, last year during the four-game win streak, and yeah, after Rutgers and Nebraska, I think, okay, if Josh Whitman really loves Lovey as much as he comes off like he does in his tweets and the things that he says, then Lovey might as well just win it. I know it's not sustainable long-term, but uh, beat Iowa, maybe beat Northwestern, just do it, right? But what a lethargic approach to take as a fan. And I know I'm not alone because as I survey, and this is anecdotal, but as you survey the Twitterverse, which is one of the few kind of yardsticks that we can use since we can't go to the stadium, can't go to the lots, the apathy is at an all-time low. And that, talk about another long list, apathetic Illini fan bases in their football program's history. Well, I can give you many years of apathy. This Going into next year, if you run it back with this coaching staff, you want to see apathy? You want to see brand new lows in the StubHub secondary market for horseshoe tickets against, well, who do you get at home next year? Uh, Minnesota, Purdue, you got those guys at home. Northwestern at home next year. Not that that's ever a hot ticket anyways, but you want to see some really low StubHub prices. Just wait until Northwestern comes here next year if Lovey Smith is still your freaking coach. You need to get rid of him. Let's talk about the financials. I'm no accountant. Would not pretend to really know economically what I'm talking about. But Simple Edition would tell you, the next year you're owing Lovey, what, three and a half million in salary, okay? The buyout, I believe, is a couple mil, three mil, something like that. Maybe one year's salary. That's the buyout, something like that. It's manageable. So if you can get a donor to pay that, then essentially you are not all that much out of pocket because you're just taking Lovey and the assistant's salary next year and giving it to the new staff. And you probably can get a decent coach for less than what Lovey is making. That would be a reach. It would probably be an up-and-comer from the MAC. I know that that doesn't excite a whole lot of people. <laughs> i got to get to that real quick before I forget. There's this narrative that you'll see occasionally pop up. It's like whack-a-mole. On the text line for radio, tweets, even in conversation with friends of mine. Well, who are we going to get that's better? What? Think about this approach. Imagine that you're in a really bad relationship. And, and this is what happens to a lot of young kids, right? They stay in a relationship in high school or college far longer than they should. Because in their mind, they think, well, I'm not going to get anyone better. What a sad, pathetic approach. To not make a move because, oh, I don't know who I'm going to get. Any, I can't get anyone better, I don't think. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Just because Illinois botched this before does not mean that you just wave the white flag and say, we are not going to try anymore. This is the best we can do. If this is the best we can do in the football program and save your money, even though I guess as bad as they are, they're still making you money. So I guess that would make financial sense. See, I'm no accountant. But you, to take that approach, don't fall in that trap, Illini fans. Do not fall in that trap that we can't do better. Yes, you can. We haven't done it yet. I get it. I get it. We have not done it in any sustained way. But it can be done. So why would you not try? 
Why would you even pretend to think that Lovey is the person to turn this thing around when he has shown in every way, shape, and form he's not, and he's half interested in the damn thing? So the anger comes in. Beyond the apathy, the anger comes in when I feel like the energy I'm expending as a fan is not being reciprocated by the energy being put in by the coaching staff. And that is a very much apples and oranges comparison because I'm not spending 50, 60 hours a week on it. But I don't really know if Lovey is either. And that is presumptuous and maybe unfair. But back to what we found out this week, not going to the virtual coaches clinic, back to the lack of recruiting success. You cannot tell me that Lovey Smith works as hard as his peers. If he did, that recruiting thing would not be as big of a problem as it is. This is where arrogance creeps in. This is where a lifetime of coaching experience, where sometimes, oftentimes, the pro to the college jump, Jim Moore Jr. at UCLA, Chip Kelly coming back to college after going to the pros. Listen, ego is going to come with it, and you're going to think that you can waltz right in and just win, right? You've done it before. You've done it at the highest level. So why couldn't that work here at college? But that's not it. P.J. Fleck, for as much of a crazy kind of, listen, there's words I could say for P.J. Fleck. I'll say it because it's a kid-friendly podcast. For all of his faults, he is a college football coach. And I know they had an off year. And maybe they aren't going to be as good long-term as I thought he was going to turn them into. But you know what? They aren't probably going to be bad with P.J. Fleck. He was available. You didn't get him. <laughs> I go back to the Tim Beckman thing where Matt Campbell didn't come over with Tim Beckman. We should have known then. With Lovey, in the first two years, when you get rid of Garrick McGee after a failure of an offensive corner, when you find out that the staff that he surrounded himself with wasn't all that great, we should have known then. And we kind of did, right? We kind of knew that this wasn't going to work out. It's been there in front of us the whole time. So we sit here on a cloudy, windy, nasty Saturday in mid-December of 2020 the year of the pandemic. And it would not have taken Lovey that much to even make me say, you know what? I get it. It's a pandemic year. I guess you run it back. It would not have taken that much. And he can't even clear that low bar. So I end this short podcast. I say end. God knows I'll ramble for another five minutes or something, but I end this podcast just pleading one of two things to happen. Either just retire Okay, draft that joint statement with Josh Whitman. Get it out there, okay? You aren't happy doing this, lovey. You aren't. You can't be. There's no way in hell that you can actually enjoy this. Losing this much, not knowing or caring how to recruit with the big boys. Just go away, please. I beg of you, go away. I can't watch Lovey Smith football anymore. And that's not a threat, okay? Because what, what is one less ticket sold at Memorial Stadium when they only sell like 30,000 anyways. But I got to think at this point, there is a breaking point. The next year, if they run it back, that's going to be another hit to revenue. So if you want to talk about math, ticket sales, how they would go down if you bring Lubby back for year six, compared to trying to inject this program with a little bit of energy and a new coach. And the fact that you would have some guys on the team that you could say, okay, you know, we got these guys and we got the new coach and what the heck, I'll go to a couple games this year. Doesn't that revenue kind of offset a little bit? And you're in the Big Ten, you get Big Ten TV revenue. I know that the financials aren't great for any Big Ten program, but you know what? Figure it out. There, there are people, friends in high places here, Josh. So talk to them. Get this done if Lovey does not come to you and say, you know what, Josh, I got to bow out. And 
I got to think because of pride and ego, he's not going to do that. It is wishful thinking. This idea that Lovey's just going to say, thanks, I appreciate it. I'm going to go to Florida now. God, that'd be easy. That'd be, that'd be great because you know what? We could do it without any bloodletting. It could just end. But it has to end one way or the other. And Josh needs to be ready for that. He's been quiet. If he says, and this is the last thing I'll do is get pre-mad, okay? If he comes out with some statement, Josh Whitman, trying to spin why we would run this thing back because of the pandemic, because of injuries, because of guys that didn't play because of contact tracing, I will lose faith in him as an athletic director. I will lose total faith because now all of a sudden he would go from, well, I like that lawyer speak. I like the fact that he's eloquent and he can get his thoughts out there. It goes from, oh, I like his eloquence to, wait, are you a used car salesman? Don't sell me the punch when there's a turd in the bowl. I'm not going to drink it. <laughs> I'm not going to drink the orange Kool-Aid if I see turds in it, right? And that is essentially what he would be doing if he tries to convince Illini fans that this is okay. Guys, we're fine. We're, we're getting where we need to be. When against all better judgment, and with all the evidence that's out there in front of us, we know that's not the case. You have got to move on. The clock is ticking. Make the move. Be decisive. Let Illini fans know that this is not acceptable. Anything short of that would be a disaster. And something that I would really have to evaluate. Apart from this podcast, and I love doing it. And I'll come on here and be pissed off every week if that's what it takes. <laughs> that doesn't move the needle a lot. I get it. But in terms of getting any enjoyment out of Illinois football or putting any emotion or energy into it, that's, that's done. That's off the table. I've lived through the last Ron Turner year. I lived through, well, I'm trying to think of the other worst. I, I was not really there for the end of the Tepper thing because we weren't fully in it. And when you're 8, 9, 10 years old, man, it's hard enough to, at 34 to watch an entire college football game. But I'm thinking about the worst years in Illinois football where you tune out as early as early October. That would be the case going into next season. So don't put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Don't go out there and get new coordinators. You wouldn't get a coordinator worth a damn anyways because they know Lovey's a lame duck coach. End it. There's really only one rational thing to do here. So on that note, ugh, bonus pod, we'll call it that, a half-hour bonus podcast. You can listen to this. <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to listen to this before the Bragg and Rights game because why would you? You're trying to have a good rest of your Saturday. But this is sort of the 200-level mission statement for Illinois football. This will apply until Josh Whitman makes the announcement that Lovey is gone, or they make it together. However they do it, don't care. Just make it. And this thing will be as timely as long as it takes for that decision to be made. And hopefully it's sooner rather than later. All right. 200 Levels brought to you by DPDO. Online at dpdo.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzone, $6 premium in construction zones at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Get some Illini swag just in time for Christmas. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And stay for our major Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For all your insurance needs, Brian and his staff, super helpful. And you can get that information again at brianismyguy.com. Illini Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their support and partnership with the 200 level. I'm going to take a few hours of break here before bragging rights. And here's hoping that that saves the day. Please, please God, win that game. We need Atlanta fans. And we also need to change in the football program. Hopefully we can build. It is the 200 level. 